You're listening to episode 68 of the Influencer Podcast. This show is brought to you by our free webinar, Pitch It Perfect, a completely free webinar that gives you access to my five steps for helping bloggers and influencers like you land brand collabs, press, and negotiate better deals. This webinar has strategies and steps that will literally blow your mind. You can join the free webinar by going to pitchitperfect.net forward slash webinar. Before we dive in, I want to give my warm appreciation to our reviewer of the week. And that is Miss Jenny Luani. And she says, let me preface this by saying that there are a lot of amazing female entrepreneurs out there, many with wonderfully helpful and educational podcasts. I love them all, but Julie's is a step above. Whether it's the message she shares or the guests that she brings on the show, every single episode so far has not only helped me or taught me, but has inspired me. I like that she doesn't limit herself to a half hour slot every week like many do. Her podcasts are sometimes short and sometimes longer, but the impact is consistent. I've listened to seven and a half minute podcast episodes and I've listened to hour plus episodes that both moved me and taught me in different ways. Julie's unique approach to the entrepreneur mindset makes her stand out. Her podcast is so much more than just how to pitch and to make a profit. She really dives deep into personal experience, belief, family, social media, etc. in a way that is not only relatable, but impactful. I highly recommend this podcast to women and men who want to learn, grow, and profit as an entrepreneur. Oh my gosh, Jenny, you are so kind. Thank you so much for just being honest and sharing that and leaving such a thoughtful review. I really, really appreciate that. And of course, I want to hear from more of you who listen in each week. I really love to hear your thoughts, hear your opinions, hear your challenges, hear what you love about the podcast, hear what you don't love about the podcast. It really just lights me up to see the engagement in the community that we're building here with the Influencer Podcast. So make sure to head over to iTunes and give us a review, and hopefully I can highlight your review in an upcoming episode. And make sure to screenshot this episode on your phone and tag me on your Instagram story today at Jill Solomon, along with our amazing guest, Ms. Kathleen Barnes, and hashtag the Influencer Podcast to let us know that you are joining in today as you know that we love to share those screenshots on our stories too. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Now, today's guest is someone I have been following for years, and unlike a lot of people I follow and then unfollow, she has never lost my attention. She's a fashion blogger who happens to be as funny as she is stylish, and she's used that personality to grow her blog into one of the most successful in the game. I'm talking about none other than Kathleen Barnes from Carrie Bradshaw Lied. She joins me to talk about phasing out of a corporate job into blogging full-time, how to scale a blog in 2018 and 2019. And how to use your unique personality to stand out. So let's welcome Kathleen to the show. Hello, Miss Kathleen. It is so awesome to have you on the show with us today. I am so excited. I've been listening since day one. I think this is such a fantastic resource for other people in the digital space. So I am so honored. Well, and you have been someone that, I mean, I feel like I've been following you for years now. Um, you know, I know that you are, you're a Southern lady like I am. You actually, I think you were born in Nashville, which is where I'm from. 
Um, and you grew up in Mississippi. You went to Ole Miss, um, SEC girl like me. Um, but I just, I, I think that aside from just those kind of commonalities, what I always loved about you, and I don't even remember the first time that I, that I came upon you, but it had to have been I'm like way back in the day, like 2013, 2012, because we both live in Southern California and this is kind of the, the blogger Mecca, if you will. And, um, it might've just, it might've been through Angela Lanter. I don't know how it was, but I always remember loving following you because not only do you have a great visual brand on your feed, but once Snapchat came around and Instagram stories came around, I really got to know you and I just adore you. So I'm so excited to dive into this conversation today. I think that you have a lot of really amazing gleams and strategies to how you approach blogging. And, you know, you've been able to amass a super engaged following of over 367,000 followers just on Instagram alone. You clearly know what you're doing. And so I'm excited for you to share that with us today. The first question that I have for you, though, is what does influence mean to you? I love that you always ask this question. Such a great thought-provoking question. And I was thinking about it this morning, anticipating. And I thought, I feel like influence is really the privilege of having a platform to share experiences and knowledge with others in a way that will enhance their life and bring value and kind of provide a shortcut for them in making. So it's really a service if you think about it. Mm, I love that. I, and I, I always see it that way too, as, as being a service. Um, so I want to, I want to just dive in and, you know, as I mentioned, you know, for you to kind of share your story a little bit about when you got started in this, I, I did mention where, you know, you, you've been in Southern California, I think for the last five years with your husband, um, but how it kind of came about and where Carrie Bradshaw lied came about. Yeah. So I, w I went to Ole Miss and I was always styling my girlfriends. So I lived in like the sorority house and girls would come in and say, you know, what should I wear? What do I wear with this dress? And so I would kind of style friends and had fun doing it. Ended up, my dream job was to work at a magazine. I literally curated my entire college resume to work at a magazine. And I unfortunately graduated in 2009, which was a terrible time in our economy and a terrible time to be a fresh student looking for a job. No one wanted to hire someone fresh out of school. But I ended up finding a job at in the marketing and PR department at Southern Living Magazine, which in the South is... That's, as the, you that's know, the Vogue. It's like the Vogue of the Southern woman behind a white picket fence. And so while I was there, I would have friends like texting me like, what belt do I wear with this? And I'm thinking like, I'm trying to be a corporate woman, start the career of my dreams. I can't be texting nine of you telling you which shoes to get at Target. So I thought, you know what, I'll start a blog. And this is, this was in 2010, kind of before, um, you know, now when people start blogs, it's like, I want to start a blog here. I'm going to hire a web designer and a photographer and people know how to start polished from the get-go, which is fantastic. I, however, was not that way. I was like trying to figure out how to code it myself. It looked terrible, but it was just a resource like for my friends as to why I bought, bought some things from Neiman's and some things from Target and why I would not buy, you know, a black belt from Neiman's when I can get it for $15 at Target. So from there, I just kind of like put in the time and it slowly, you know, slowly you see that someone in Australia is reading it and you're like, what? I thought only 10 people were reading this and my mom. Um, 
So slowly, it just you see that more people are looking at it. So then you want it to look a little more polished, and it was a slow crawl. It's like a really long explanation, <laughs> but it was just a really slow crawl. And I continued to work a corporate job for about five years and managed it on the side until I eventually took it full time. When you you touched on a, a a few really key things there, the first was that you started listening to what you knew that that people needed from you. You know, even as small as it's just sorority sisters or close friends at the time, you were always their go to person for style. And yeah. the other thing that I that I love that you touched on is that you you did the corporate thing and you kind of kept doing it as your blog was growing over time, um, which I think are are two really really key takeaways. Um, because a lot of times I think people have a really hard time niching down or kind of figuring out what they need to do because they focus more on maybe like what what they like to do or, or what everyone else does instead of really kind of listening to um, what people need from them. So when you kind of started that, was that something that just kind of became like natural to you that you were like, okay, everyone's asking me how to style. Everyone's wanting me to help them curate pieces and kind of make them, you know, look put together. I should probably do a blog on this. Or was it more friends were telling you, you should really blog about this. You're really good at it. That is such a great question. And you made so many great points. And that's one thing that I always knew girls when they say like, I want to start a blog. How do I get started? First of all, I just think there's so many blogs out there and it, which is fantastic, but you have to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons, right? So I majored in business and journalism. So I love to write. I've always loved fashion and styling. I never really saw myself using that as a career, but I wanted to work in a magazine. Well, in 2009, 2010, the state of publishing was changing vastly. And I was like, if I'm trying to start my career in publishing, like maybe I need to rethink this. Like maybe this isn't the career for me. And so having a blog felt like such a natural fix. I love style and I love to write. And I didn't really think I was going to have that opportunity professionally. Like, you know, I once thought I was, so I thought, you know what, if I move out of the publishing industry, at least I can still treat this website as my own type of magazine where I'm the editor in chief. And it's, it didn't feel like work. It was fun. It was my side hustle. It was my what I would do on the weekends because I wanted to, because it was fun for me, because it felt natural. So I think that, you know, I think that a lot of people now say, oh, I want to start a blog because I want, I don't want to have to sit in an office or work for someone else, but which is t also totally fair, but you just want to make sure that you really enjoy doing it, right? Because otherwise it, it would be miserable because it really is a 24 seven job. It, it really is. Um, how are you able to balance? Because I love that you just said that it is a 24 seven job, but you also actually had a corporate job that you had to wake up to every morning, drive to and work. How did you balance that for all of those years? Well, it, at, um, in the beginning, it wasn't as bad. I would, uh, you know, work during work hours. And then I would, you know, the, the Southern person in me, I would come home I, or I would exercise, come home, cook for my husband, you know, chat with him while I clean dishes or whatever. And then once he would be, because he wakes up at like 5 a.m. because he works at a hospital. So when he would be winding down for bed, you know, I would crack my laptop open and work for an hour or two before bed. So that was all fine for the first, I'd say, three, three and a half years. That It was fine. And it really was manageable. And what I now it sounds crazy, but I also 
would pick, since my husband um, is a medical resident, he only has four days off a month. So wow. he would often be working weekends. And on the weekends, like I would pick whichever day he was working and I would just crank out all my blog posts for the next week mm. on the weekend. So I would draft everything in WordPress, save it to you know publish because you can schedule them, right? Mm -hmm. So I would work on all my blog posts for the following week, schedule them all. So that way during the work week, when I was busy with my corporate job, I only had to worry about just promoting them to different social platforms or answering emails on my off time rather than creating blog content. And, and so that, you, you like batched it all. Yeah, yeah. basically I batched it all. So that way, cause I, I never, I truly never saw myself doing this full time. I really loved my corporate career and, and saw that being what I was going to be putting more of my time into, but I wanted to, to keep doing this because I really enjoyed writing and I ended my career ended up moving more into marketing and social media, which didn't have as much long form writing. So I really enjoyed having this, you know, to ha have an opportunity to write and share experiences with different girls. So that's kind of what I did. And it really did keep me afloat pretty well until maybe like the last year of doing both. And that's when my blog just was starting to take more time. And so I was like up until one, two in the morning and it wasn't healthy. So I balanced it all right for a while until the end. And that's kind of when you know you're ready to spread your wings, right? When you're like, I can no longer do this. This isn't healthy. So now I have to figure out what, you know, how I'm going to phase out of this corporate job and, and treat this, you know, original, the side hustle as my new business. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business Business for sponsoring the show. And I, I know that you had just mentioned like you never really saw the blog as being your fourth, your full-time thing. So what was that decision like for you? Like when you got to that moment that you knew it was, you were ready to make a shift and spread the wings and you kind of had to make that decision. Like, do I stay on track of this corporate and, you know, do the corporate letter and grow this way? Or do I, do I really, do I take that leap? And it's so scary to do that, to like quit your job, you know, to dive into this online influence world full time. How, what was that decision like for you and how were you able to know you were making the right decision? Yeah, such a great question. I think that my husband saw it in me before I did. He, you know, he had been telling me you, you need to treat this blog as more than this little like weekend business. You need to, you know, really start monitoring what exactly is happening and, and create an Excel spreadsheet. So you really can see month by month what the breakdown is. Right. 
And so um, I started doing that. And so once I realized like what was coming in and out on a monthly, you know, scale, so I could really see what my expenses looked like and what my income looked like. And, and, and on a more specific scale, I then set a goal for myself. And I was like, you know what, if I can meet this number, you know, six, seven months in a row, then I feel comfortable branching out. But that being said, I'm very type A and OCD and you know, my husband works at a hospital, so he has great benefits. So I was able to get on his benefit plan. There's so, there's so much more to think of. And another thing, when you leave your corporate job, I mean, when you work for yourself, there's no 401k, there are no benefits, there's no free gym plan. There's no, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's some amazing benefits that come with a great corporate job that you're also giving up to work for yourself. But of course, working for yourself, you know, being having that flexible time and endless vacation time. I mean, there's so many perks to that as well. But when you are leaving a job that has a lot of these cushy um, amenities and benefits, that's really something you have to consider. Mm, and I, I love that you mentioned that of just kind of like weighing those things out and really seeing what worked best for you and your family at the time. Um, yeah. I love that. Uh, really, you know, you're an adult when you really value health insurance. <laughs> now, right. You're like, I'm adulting now officially. Okay. Good to know. Um, how many hours do you work a week on your blog now, now that you're full time dedicated to your blog? Yeah. Well, I, I would say that I have friends whose um, spouses work a more traditional work schedule, which, you know, I don't know, 50 hours a week or something. And I do think if my husband had a more um, you know, more average work schedule that perhaps I would work less, but he's working, you know, 80 to a hundred hours a week sometimes. Mm. So for me, a lot of times I probably put in, I would say like 50 to 60 hours, maybe depending on the week. Mm. It's not crazy. Probably. I think what that won't always be that way, but right now it's like, you know, you're home by yourself and he's, not home and your friends are with like their boyfriends or husbands. And so you're like, I guess I'll work, you know, you just keep working. <laughs> and you just, yeah, you just kind of manage it that way. I guess it's just, um, I wouldn't say it's healthy. However, I do love what I do yes. and it doesn't feel like work. A lot of times, you know, like catching up with people on social media or like, Oh, I haven't seen my friends stuff on social media. Let me go give her some love. It's like, technically that's work, but when you love it, it doesn't, feel like I'm on the clock, you yeah. know? Well, and it's honest. Like, you know, I'm glad that you're, you're just, you're saying like, this is how it is for me right now. Um, I would love to know too, if you can remember, cause you said you've, you started this, was it 2010? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How long did it take you to start monetizing your blog? Um, and I know, and I want to kind of, I'm going to talk about affiliates with you in a little bit, but I want to kind of take that off the table. I'm talking more like with brands one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, I would say probably about three years. Okay. So it wasn't until like 2013. Do you think that was because the brands were so new to this at the time? Or do you think that was just because it took you that long to grow? And the reason why I ask you that is because I feel like now in 2018, influencers and bloggers, if they're strategic and smart about it, they can actually monetize a lot quicker than say you and I could when we were first starting out just because the brands are so much more used to the idea of it. Totally agree. 100% agree. I think it was a few different things. One, I think brands, it, you know, blogging, using influencers as a way to advertise was a totally new concept to brands. Two, I think 
you know, you and I were so busy do, working on other jobs and other projects that I didn't really prioritize my blog like I do now. I think, you know, could I, if I could do it again, I would have thought, hey, why don't I just find it, you know, find some brand PR emails and pitch myself. But I wasn't pitching myself. I was busy working and just like happy to have a fun place to write my thoughts or rehash last night's Real Housewife episode. Right. <laughs> So I think I, I wasn't really taking that initiative that I think is, you know, when you're first starting out, you have to be the hustler who, you know, pitches yourself. And it's like, you know what, if I, if I heard nothing, I, I've, I've lost nothing but time. It's like not a big deal, you know? Right. Um, and then when you think about that, because I know I was talking about brands, um, I want to talk about affiliates for a minute, because when you kind of think back with that, too, um, I know that you work with affiliates and I, what I love about how I see you work with affiliates online is that you really, it, it seems to me like you really use it more as like a supplement and not being your entire brand. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times you'll see bloggers and influencers, they will just go all in and put all of their eggs in that one affiliate basket. And they don't really spend a lot of time cultivating their own business and really, kind of taking out the middleman and like, you know, networking and building relationships to really build their own business without relying on the affiliates. I love it when I see influencer and influencers and bloggers really, you know, use the affiliates kind of how I think that they should be used um, or be intended to use anyway, which is just that supplementary piece. It's kind of just like the cherry on top, you know, that's there. So could you kind of share with us like your journey with, with affiliates? Because again, I know that you started at the, at the beginning when, you know, reward style just, you know, had started, I think it was in 2011 or 2012. So all of us that were doing it at the time, like jumped on that bandwagon to really kind of navigate it, but how that's kind of changed for you and how you really use affiliates now to really work for you and not necessarily against you. Yeah. I love it when you speak to affiliate marketing, because I think you always bring up some really, really great points that I completely agree with. I think that affiliate marketing is a great way, you know, if you're wearing a shirt and everyone wants to know where it's from and where they can get it, you might as well make a dollar when someone gets the shirt, right? Heck yeah, yeah. That's how they discovered it. And I think that's fantastic. However, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be redirecting people to another company like, oh, shop all my outfits on this company's website. No, no, no. You can shop all my outfits on my website. Mm -hmm. You know, like at the end of the day, the only basket I'm putting all my eggs in is my own because if all this was to disappear tomorrow. That's the only thing I have any ownership of. So I'm always going to be redirecting people back to my website because that's the main place where all of the information I'm putting out there, all the tips and tricks and styling details and outfit details and life experiences and photography. That's where I'm always redirecting people. Not my Instagram, not Facebook, not some affiliates website. It's like, I'm always trying to grow my brand and business. So I always want to redirect people to my website. You know, that's my top priority. And it always will be regardless of what people say about who's reading blogs anymore or whatnot, but things can change on a dime because you don't own that business. Right. And so when they change their business model, if you're putting all if your rent is being paid by affiliate marketing, that's really scary because that could all change you know, a year from now and what do you have? So it's just not, it's, it's definitely a great supplement to my business and a great piece of my business, but I do not want it to be the biggest piece of my business. Yeah. Like I always kind of think of it as like, it, it would be like you walking into 
a house or a condo or an apartment that you're renting and you and your husband putting down $30,000 to renovate the entire place. And then a month later, the landlord calling and saying, Hey, I'm going to sell it. So you guys have to move out. (laughs) Actually a perfect example. It's a perfect example. It's like moving into a rental, painting all the walls, changing all the light fixtures, changing all the hardware on the faucets. And then in six months being evicted. Yeah. It's like exactly what it's It's, like. Maybe that will never happen and you'll live in that rental for 10 years. And if that's the case, that's amazing. But it's like you kind of don't want to do all that work unless it's something you own, right? Yeah, especially if you're trying to grow a business at this. And that's what I always say with a lot of bloggers and influencers is like you've got two types, right? You've got like the grazers, the ones that are like, oh, this looks cute. You know, like, let me let me just put some cute photos up and get some followers and like be cute and see what happens. And then you have the ones that once they dive into it, they're like, okay, wow, like, this could actually be my business. This could, this could be the, the, the way that I serve and this could be the way that I create products and services and, and really showcase who I am to the world as a brand. So you kind of first have to make that decision first because there's nothing wrong with being like the grazer. You know, if you, if you just kind of want to like dip your toes in it and just kind of do that, then that's, that's fine. And I think that there, there is a place for that, but it's the ones that, you know, it's like they're still kind of living that grazer life, but they're wanting to be the brand and they're wanting to be the business. So you really have to make that mindset shift for yourself. I totally agree. You have to be intentional with how you, you choose to run your business, right? And a lot of it just depends on what's more important to you. You know, if you're just looking to, yeah, if you're just looking to have fun and it's fun and easy, absolutely more power to you. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if you are one of these, type A people like myself, you might think of things a little differently. So it's just kind of how you want to play your cards. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about brand deals and, and media because you've you've worked with so many fantastic brands like Saks, Jimmy Choo, Who What Wear, Macy's, you name it. And you've gotten covered by a ton of media, national, you know, every girl, Oprah, people style watch so much. So I would love to know because um, I kind of want to know a twofold of when you first starting out, were you doing, did you have to kind of mind and grind it and, and like pitch yourself or was it something that just like they, you were catching and they were constantly coming to you? I think it was a little bit of both. I'm definitely not afraid to pitch myself. I think, and you talk about this. I think it's like, I have, I've drafted up an email that where I, that I think is like concise and clear with a uh, press kit to pitch myself to different like online websites that I'm a big fan of. And, you know, that whenever you, if you read the every girl or glitter guy, there's always a place for submissions. And so it's, if you want to take the time to pitch a project or pitch yourself to get that coverage and to contribute to a website like that, more power to you. It's like, you always think you have nothing to lose. It's like, if I send this off, I submit this and I hear nothing. My life is exactly the same as if I'd never branched out at all. You know, like you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So I would do a little bit of that in the beginning when I could. And then um, just kind of like slowly making contacts and getting to know different people. I will say I cannot credit the growth of my business all to like myself. I really think that truly like I have just kind of been led to this. And I think, you know, my husband ended up matching for his medical residency in California, total fluke, like drawing out of a hat. We were like, uh, California, we were so surprised. 
And moving to California, I met so many other girls who were bloggers. When I lived in Mississippi, I had a blog. I didn't tell anyone I had a blog because people would be like, what is that? It just hadn't caught on there yet. Then I moved to the West Coast. Everyone has a blog. And so I'm chatting with girls. And through getting to know other bloggers, I'm gaining more confidence in this industry. And then I felt like I could be more bold as to pitch myself to brands or media outlets or whatnot to gain coverage and exposure. So I think a lot of it was, you know, God leading us here. And living in California has had a huge, huge, huge impact on my business. And I truly feel like if I hadn't moved here in 2013, my blog would be completely different. And I definitely do not think I would be doing it full time. Mm -hmm. I I would agree with you. And I think that we can both you and I being from the South because Southern bloggers, there's a huge Mecca of them in, in the, the Southeast as well. And, um, and we have a lot of friends that do it, but I will say that there is just a difference because we can kind of see how they work and the opportunities that they have versus the bloggers that you see in these bigger metropolitan areas, specifically LA and New York. And I do talk about that a lot, which is why it is just as important for those listening that may live anywhere else in the country or the world that's not LA and New York, that when you have those opportunities to be in those big cities, whether you're going to Fashion Week in New York or whether you're going to LA to see a friend or what have you, it's really important for you to be emailing out to those brands or to those media outlets that you maybe have reached out to in the past or that has has reached out to you to try to get some FaceTime. Because as Kathleen just said, that that FaceTime and just being able to be in those cities and participate in those things that the brands may put on is so invaluable that um, it's something that um, I think bloggers in the rest of the country can really kind of learn from and maybe even figure out how to bring it to their city. You know, it's you may not live in L.A., but if you have a Nordstrom or a Macy's in your city, why not start an event there or why not reach out to the manager of those uh, department stores and talk to them about curating some kind of event? Absolutely. That's a huge opportunity to become like the go-to person in your own area, which is kind of amazing. And I think now, I will say, I think now there are bloggers all over the country. And if I was to have a blog now in Mississippi, I wouldn't have to explain what a blog was. Like people now understand what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was just a little bit slower to pick up. And I think now it's full speed everywhere. But if you're somewhere that's not a huge, you know, metropolitan place, it's a huge opportunity to be like the leading go-to person, which is, a, is an amazing opportunity. Yeah. You kind of don't have as much saturation to have to oh, of dive yeah. through. You can be the, the really massive fish in, in this new pond. Exactly. Um, I also have a question for you just because I'm, I'm curious and I think that you would be a great person to ask this because um, you have been covered by so much media, as we mentioned, um, The Cut, The Every Girl, Who, What, Where, Oprah, People Start Watch, The Today Show. I mean, so like massive, massive media. Do you feel that that media helped you grow in your numbers or help you or helped you get more brand deals? Or do you feel that it's just kind of more of like a credibility piece that was just kind of something that's that's like a good little notch in the belt to say. Truthfully, I think it's a little bit more like, it's like a little badge. I feel like it just kind of, in a way it like speaks to legitimizing your business a little bit. It's like, Oh, she's been doing this long enough to be featured on X, Y, or Z. I don't, I truly don't know that it necessarily brought me any substantial like new audience members. Mm -hmm. I think it's just like a little, 
feather in your cap, if you will. Yeah. And I love that you say that because I agree. And the reason why I agree with that is because my years of being in PR, I would see that happen all the time with authors or brands that I worked with that, you know, they just, they wanted to get on Good Morning America. If they could just get on that. And we were like, okay, but just don't be surprised if you don't sell a book from it (laughs) because it just, that's not where you're going to convert. Um, and time and time again, we would kind of see that happen. So I, I love that you, I, I think it's important for those listening to hear that from another blogger that, um, it's definitely not going to hurt you. And it's really nice to say that you have been covered, you know, through all of those media outlets, because it's going to give you a credibility and, and that alone sets you apart to be able to mention those things in your bio and your press kit. But you, I love that you kind of align the expectations there, because I think a lot of times, you know bloggers or influencers will say, okay, so if I can just get this brand deal, or if I can just get covered by this media outlet, I'm going to get a hundred thousand followers. I'm going to go viral. My world's going to change. And it's not necessarily always that way. No, no. I think the best thing about it is being able to put it on a press page and like, say it, you know what I mean? I completely agree. And Hey, that it's still great to get any kind of media coverage, whether it's local or national, whatever it may be is still great. And whenever that happens, Take a screen grab, get the URL, make sure you have that information. I have a girlfriend who's a blogger who was covered by so many different media outlets, but she didn't necessarily hold on to those. Mm. And now I'm always like punching her because I'm like, girl, you would have the most insane press page on your site ever. Like, how do we dig up these old plugs? You know, so it's like when that happens, screen grab it, hold on to that, you know, because it's really important and you can use that to your advantage, big time. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, One thing that you had mentioned to me prior uh, to coming on was that um, we were talking about your uniqueness and that you said that you really always try to bring a realness to your job and to really how you show up that gives kind of like that perfect life, life perception that people can have of bloggers and influencers, especially on Instagram, that we all know is completely false. So you were talking about how you're so thankful for Instagram stories, and that's really allowed all influencers to really continue to create great content, but really kind of bringing their community into more of those imperfect moments. And I think that you do a great job with Instagram stories. Um, I know that I have a lot of listeners who love the idea, but for whatever reason, they're just kind of afraid to take that leap and to really be vulnerable and show up in that way. Do you have any advice that you can give those listening that may be feeling a little hesitant how to bite the bullet and, uh, and test it out and see what happens. Yeah. I, I love Instagram stories because in my opinion, the reason blogs were, you know, the reason bloggers came about is because people were sick of looking in magazines. Oh, this dress looks perfect on her, but she's five ten and a size zero. So anything looks good on a mannequin, but like, what does it look like on a real body or on someone who doesn't, you know, have a makeup team. So bloggers were, you know, blogs were created to really show people how to style things in real life on a real body, real person. And so with that being said, that's a huge reason why I love Insta stories because it is real and it shows people that, you know, uh, to take a great photo, like doesn't necessarily mean my entire day was perfect. It means I had to have a photo that was taken in 10 seconds of my day that looks nice, but it doesn't mean the day was fantastic. So Instagram stories is such a great way to show the authenticity to who you are and who your brand is. That being said, I do believe it's not for everyone. You know, not everyone likes to be on video. Not everyone is can really 
share their personality through video. Some people can, and it works well for them, but I think if to use it incorrectly could work against you. So if you're someone who really doesn't enjoy it and you don't, you don't feel like you do it well, maybe you shouldn't. First that, you know what I mean? Like I love watching YouTube videos, but I think, I, I don't think I would be good in like a makeup tutorial. Nobody wants to watch me do that. You know what I mean? So I think knowing your strengths and weaknesses and playing up on those strengths is hugely important. But if you do want to be on video, get on the stories. People love the stories. Now I feel like people watch people's Insta stories, but like never even look at their feeds anymore. It's like all people care about are the stories. For sure. Like I even did a a poll on Instagram stories. Like, do you watch, do you watch more stories and look at feeds now? And I mean, it was like overwhelmingly people were looking at stories. Isn't that wild? Yeah. It's crazy, but it's, it's more real time. It's more real. Um, I think for people and, and two, I think that also goes, you know, I love what you just touched on too, with, um, with how to really differentiate yourself in our saturated market. Because I think, like you said, you, you, you know yourself, like I'm not going to be doing the makeup tutorials because that's not what I do. doesn't mean I don't like makeup, but you know, you're like, that's not who I am as a brand. Um, and you know that about yourself. And I think that that may be, and I would love to get your thoughts on this of how, because a lot of times people say, you know, how do I stick out among the saturation? And my first thing is like, well, you have to know yourself and be confident in that. And the more that we just keep doing what everyone else is doing, the more that we're going to be stuck in that saturation. So do you have any examples or times that you have, you know, tried to differentiate yourself in a saturated market? And what was the outcome of that? Yeah, I, and I think everyone works differently for me. Um, a fun fact, I was in Miss Teen USA when I was 18, but one of the best things that taught me was, you know, I was in this competitive, you know, national pageant or whatever. And it kind of taught me like, it doesn't really matter what she's doing or what she's doing. I care about what I'm doing. I'm going to stay in my lane. All I can do is be the best version of myself. And that's what I'm going to put my energy into. I'm not gonna put my energy into comparing myself to her or her. Like, I don't know their life stories and you know, what I'm doing doesn't, it doesn't matter what they're doing. It matters what I'm doing. So I kind of learned that whole stay in my lane aspect so long ago. And I feel like it's, it's really worked in my favor now in this industry. And I think that it's so easy, especially as women to, you know, well, why don't my pictures look like that? Why, why can't my husband quit his job and work for me? Why can't I hire a personal assistant that can take all these photos? You know what I mean? Or whatever it may be. But I think when you're feeling that way, you need to turn off your phone, shut down your computer. You need to get outside. You need to get inspired by something else. Because I think that um, there's so many girls on Instagram and having style blogs or whatever it may be on YouTube. And the last thing you want to do is be like stalking so many people that you're subconsciously mimicking them without even realizing it because your mind is so full of everyone else's content and what they're doing. And I think that, you know, if you're just going to be mimicking someone else, then why are you even, why do you even have a blog in the first place? Cause they can just go to that person to get that content, right? It's like, you need to offer something original and unique that's serving your audience. So Rather than looking to see what everyone else is doing, why don't you look at your own content and see in the past six months what your 10 best performing photos were, what your 10 most popular 
blog posts were and see and connect the dots. Okay, what about these did my audience gravitate toward and and get inspired that way? Because whenever I'm feeling in a rut, it's like I kind of I kind of just shut everything else down, focus on myself, what's working, what's not working. And I think that's going to help inspire you to create something that's unique and original and really showcases your strengths and talents and don't think about everybody else. Mm, I love that. And I think that you you just explained that so perfectly um, because I always try to re- like remind those around me and even remind myself when when we start to kind of get in, in those, you know, scarcity ideas or like comparison is that if we are consciously or subconsciously kind of doing what someone else is doing, we're, we're always going to be a second rate version of that person and what they're doing because it's nothing original for us. Yeah. And your professional journey is like such a beautiful example of that, right? Like you were doing the mom blog thing for a little bit. You weren't sure how you felt about it. And then you saw this hole in this industry and now you're filling it so beautifully and bringing this valuable, all this valuable information to so many girls who need it, you know? So it's like your career is a perfect example of that. When you stop looking at everyone else and you look at yourself and then it all makes so much more sense. And not only that, but we all like what we're good at, right? If you're good at something, you tend to enjoy it. So, but play up your own strengths rather than beating yourself down for the things you're not so good at. Exactly. Um, and I love that. Um, you drove that home perfection, perfectionly, perfectionly, perfectly, however you say that word. Um, I want to talk about confidence for a minute because I know that you say to me that that is kind of your your nugget, if you will, you know, the, the, the piece, um, of your successful puzzle that you always pull together. And you said that when you get a message from a reader that, um, lets you know that you've helped them put together new looks or outfits to make them feel great about themselves, you know, whether it's post breakup or post baby or whatever it may be, um, that's the best feedback that you could ever receive. And so when it comes to confidence, um, for those out there that may have a hard time navigating what that looks like for them, how do you, how are you able to identify confidence for yourself? And, and specifically, like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What does that taste like to you when, when you know that you're in a really confident space? Oh, man. Such a good question. I think that, you know, I, I, credit a lot of my self-esteem and confidence to my mom. I think she like raising daughters. She was, she was just like confidence is everything. And she by no means, you know, told us we were perfect and could do no wrong. I remember telling her when I was young, I was like, I want to be the next Katie Couric. And she was like, well, so does everyone else. So you might (laughs) have a backup career, you know, like she was very real and honest, like, okay. But at the same time, like she, she kind of saw my strengths and what always encouraged me in that direction. And I think that has helped me kind of like love myself and appreciate myself at a young age. And I know that I have tons of flaws and I'm not perfect by any means, but I think that loving yourself, knowing who you are and believing in yourself, it, you radiate, you know, like people see that you walk a little taller, you hold your shoulders back, you, you know, and I, I think that a lot of times girls are like, oh, I, I could never wear that. And I'm like, no, anyone could wear it. But if you're not comfortable wearing it, you shouldn't, you know, because then you're not, you're going to be uncomfortable, which means you're going to be unhappy. So if you're not going to, 
if you're not going to like the way it looks on you, don't wear it, you know, which is why every trend isn't for everyone. But I think a lot of times it's, you know, taking a step back to maybe if you're not loving yourself right now, okay, well, take a step back and think of a time when you were really happy and why were you really happy then? Were you exercising a lot so you felt strong and you felt confident? Were you excelling in a certain area of your life? Were you like really on the ball at your job? You know, try to think of when you were really happy in that time, like what were some of those elements that were contributing to that feeling and and how you can recreate it now? Because I think that, you know, I just think that, you know, as cliche as it sounds, they always, you know, people always say like, you know, you can't accept love until you love yourself. And I just think that that's so important and really, cause it, it, it contributes to every aspect of your life. And so no matter what the clothes you're wearing are, if you, if you don't like yourself, you're not going to own that outfit, you know? And so I think driving that home and just really like learning how to appreciate yourself and play up your strengths, both person, both personality wise and physically. Like I, I love this whole wave of body positivity and, um, you know, women for women, girl support girls. Like, I think that there's really this a beautiful movement happening right now. And I think it's really exciting. And so I think people need to, you know, take a step back and, and realize that you really can't be the friend or girlfriend or daughter or sister to other people until you're really like taking care of yourself. Mm, I love that. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to switch gears to strategy for a moment. Um, techniques. Um, I know that I asked you what tools you use to just kind of keep yourself organized, grow your business, do your day-to-day um, action items and tasks that you need to do. And you mentioned that you use Planoly, Instagram analytics, and Google analytics. So I would love to know how you use each of those um, and, and really what they help you with. Yeah, I discovered Planoly maybe two or three years ago. And it's been really, really helpful to me. And I feel like once I discovered Planoly, which is a app that you can download, maybe it might cost like $100 a year, $115 a year, um, but or you can pay monthly. But what it does is it helps you, A, it, it shares, um, I think now Instagram analytics, if you're a business account, also shares the same information. But it'll share like your top performing post, your Instagram stuff you know, stats of like followers or, um, like new followers in the past X amount of days or whatnot, but it also allows you to upload photos and kind of use your, um, Instagram feed like a puzzle. So you can move pictures around to find the, you know, so you can find a way that makes your aesthetic kind of come to life. So that way you have it all organized before you post photos on Instagram. It also will schedule, uh, post for you. So if I'm traveling in a different time zone, I can schedule them through Planoly, which will push them to Instagram. And I don't even have to approve it. I don't get a push notification. It just automatically posts, which is fantastic if you're in different time zones. But the reason I really love Planoly is I feel like for Planoly, I spent so much more time trying to figure out what to post next. Will that look good next to that photo? And now I can you know, sometimes if I have time on my hands on the weekend, I'll look, I'll look at what my blog content is for the week and I'll schedule my Instagram posts for that week. So I don't even have to think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I already have it all organized and that allows me to live my life in real time and not be like hunkered over my phone any more than I have to. Oh, so I, I love, love that. 
analytics for that. It's really been a game changer. And then of course now Instagram analytics, if your business account has so much great information, you know, as far as analyzing your audience, um, their gender, where they live, your best photos. Do I mean, you this... use um, analytics to kind of look at your posts and how they're performing? And then does, does that help you strategize in a different way of like what you, what content you'll produce or what photos you'll put up? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which is so funny because actually my husband is, is, he's so funny because he is, you know, he takes a lot of photos for me and he enjoys taking photos. And I, what's interesting about Christian is, you know, he works on the, um, on the head and neck. And so he knows symmetry really well, just mm. because of his job. And that kind of pours into my job quite nicely because he sees, he just has a really good eye, um, for framing things and whatnot. And so he'll notice, you know, he's like, you haven't posted a picture like that in a while. Remember how well that picture did? Like he just pays attention to that kind of stuff. And I do as well. So I'll look like I'm about to go on a vacation. And I was like, let me look and see what's performed well for me over the past few months. And I mean, almost always, if you look at what's performing well for you, you'll see some, you'll see uh, the similarities in those top performing things, which is important because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm serving this audience who's choosing to engage with me. So if they like something, I need to give them more of that because that's what they're enjoying. Right. So I totally look at that. That's so cool. Thanks for walking us through that because I think a lot of times, um, you know, people overlook it or they, they don't think of how it could really help them and keep them organized and kind of, uh, keep them producing good quality content over time. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is that, you know, by doing that and by taking those steps to kind of organize your strategy, then you can spend less time staring at your phone or computer and more time outside getting inspired and taking photos and creating content. For me, I always want to minimize the time that I'm, you know, staring at a computer screen and maximize the time that I'm creating fresh content for my business. And then I wanted to also ask you, a little bit about um, who you love. So whether it's Instagram or um, books and that sort of thing. So I do sometimes a little, like a fast five with Julie on here that you can kind of share some of those fun things. Um, so if you're open to doing yeah. that, I would love to go through that. Um, your favorite person to follow on Instagram. I love Cezanne. You interviewed her. I, I love her too. She's a dear met- friend. Yeah, I've met her once and then maybe I bumped into her at an event and I probably fangirled. I just think that she is so, she to me is such a great example of someone who she knows her strengths. She knows the value she's providing to her audience and she plays up on that, but she's still honest and relatable and vulnerable. She just, to me, um, is the perfect example of the reason blogs are here, right? She's providing value. She's a resource for the girls who follow her. And she's very humble and appreciative of those people. And I think that that's such a beautiful um, example to look to look up to. Mm, I, I agree. Um, she's so unique and just honest and real. And she's, she's great. She's one I love to follow too. Um, the best piece of advice you've ever received? When I was in high school... Someone told me the woods would be very silent if the only birds who sang were the ones who sang best. Mm. 
And I just, I always think about that because there's always someone who's doing better than you. And there's always someone who's doing worse than you and, and whatever, you know, way you want to think about it, whether it's life, business, relationships, whatever it may be. And so, you know, I think learning that at a young age, like there's always gonna be somebody better. There's always going to be somebody worse. And so just enjoy where you are, you know, and, and own who you are and play up your strengths. And it's okay if you're not the best, you know, what, what matters is that you're being your best, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, your, your only competition is yourself at the end of the day. Um, okay. So, um, the biggest lesson learned in growing your blog. Oh gosh. Biggest lesson learned. I think that, um, one thing that I see a lot of bloggers not doing that I think would really help them, which I, cause I know it's really helped me is I did not take a photography class probably until I've been blogging for like four years. Mm. And I, when I took a photography class, I was like, Kathleen, this is one of your epic mistakes. <laughs> I learned so much and it's helped me because I take photos for my own blog and I have all the camera equipment and whatnot. And I also work with photographers, but I've had photographers tell me that because I understand photography, we we're more successful working together. So I can say, you know what, let's bump the exposure down a little bit. And can we use this lens instead? Mm. Because I can speak that language it really helps us both work together in the most successful way for the best possible outcome. And it's also helped me understand um, what's possible and what's not possible. Right. So like sometimes when my husband and I are shooting, it's like, I have a vision in my mind and, he, and I can't um, communicate it effectively. So I'm, I'm just like, you know what, you stand where I'm standing and let me take the picture of you so I can see if what I'm envisioning is even possible. Right. You know, and, and sometimes, because of the lighting, I'm like, no, okay, what I'm thinking is like not possible because of the light right now. So never mind, you know? Mm, yeah. It's such a good idea. Was your did you take it online or did you go to like a physical place to take a photography lesson? Was it just one lesson or did you do several? So there, um, I think everyone learns differently. There's so many things on YouTube that are helpful. Christian, for example, is completely self-taught using YouTube videos and, and his mind works that way. And he doesn't need to sit in a classroom. I need to sit in a classroom and have like a stranger explain it to me where I'm going to say, you know what, I'm paying for this. So if I have a question, I'm going to ask, cause I want to say when he says, Oh, press this button. I want to say my camera doesn't have that button. So what button do I press? Mm, you know? Yeah. And I sat, I actually saw on Groupon, literally there, on Groupon, there was a local studio that offers photography classes, I think like twice a month in Orange County. Actually, if you're in Orange County, I believe it was iWink Studios. They have like a big studio where you can rent spaces and whatnot. And they have a guy that teaches photography. And it was a class on a Saturday. I think it was like five hours. And I sat in that class. And I think just having someone else explain it to me, it was like the light bulb. Everything finally clicked. And then we went outside and practiced. And then if I had any questions... I could ask him. Whereas like if I watched a YouTube video and had a question and I got to Google it and try to find the answer, it was just so much more effective and efficient for me. And I really think, I know so many bloggers who don't know how to work a camera and that's fine. You know, that works for some people, but for me, um, I think if I had done that earlier, it would have, I would have seen a huge improvement in mm. my. That's such a good, like, 
just tip. That's one I've never heard. I've never had anyone come on here to, to say that they did that um, as a blogger or influencer. So I think it's a great tip for those that are listening, that if you are having those, you know, you're wanting to kind of understand the other side, the other, the other end of the lens, if you will, that's a great, that's a great takeaway. Um, Kathleen, I would love to know your favorite book or the website that you read, and it doesn't have to be consistent. Maybe it's just one that like, there was, it was like a one aha moment or one that you really go back to time and time again for business and for influencer marketing growth. I really love, um, the every girl. I've always loved the every girl. I literally read it in college Mm. and I remember printing off different tips about it in the workplace. I think what I like about the every girl is, you know, true to its name. It provides, um, information and resources for so many different areas of life, whether you're, you know, there, I remember there's an amazing printable sheet you can print on from their website. That's like, if you're renting an apartment in a city, some of the questions you should ask and some of the information you should know ahead of time. Like, you know, if the air conditioner messes up, who does that, you know, who's paying for that expense or like questions like that, that are just really smart to think about. And so they provide all kinds of different information, whether it be, um, in business career or home or, you know, nutrition. And I just think it's such a great, well-rounded hub of information for young women. Mm, I love the Evergirls too. And they're actually, they have one of my favorite newsletters. Um, I just think that the way that they visually, the way that they pull together um, their content and then what they provide, I think they have one of the best newsletters out there. I gotta subscribe. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, Okay. So my final question, the app that you can't live without. Probably, I hate to say it. It's, I mean, it's probably Instagram. Does that count? Oh yeah, of course. Like I even hate saying that I was on the Snapchat train. I was like all about it, really hoping that it would give Instagram kind of a run for its money. And clearly that did not pan out. But, um, I think now it's Instagram because I love the, the story, the video aspect so well. You know, mm-hmm. shout out to Snapchat, RIP. Yes, totally. Even- um, well, Carrie, or Carrie, because I, I was looking at Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> Kathleen, where can people find Carrie Bradshaw Lied and more of your good stuff and start following you and dive into more of the content that you create? I am CarrieBradshawLied.com. And then on Instagram, I'm Kathleen underscore Barnes. Awesome. Well, if you are listening today and you want to dive deeper into this conversation, head on over to the influencerpodcast.com where we are going to have all the things, all the links, all the good stuff to uh, today's conversation and, and some really amazing takeaways that we have with Kathleen today. And uh, make sure to give her some love over on Instagram. Um, you know she loves Instagram stories, so she will be seeing those stories and we'll be giving you love back. So thank you again so much, Kathleen, for being here today. I so appreciate just your feedback and sharing your journey with us. Thank you, Julie. Wanting even more influencer podcast goodness and to connect with like-minded influencers? Join our Facebook community for daily tips on how to up-level your business and chat with myself and other listeners. All you got to do is visit facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the influencer podcast to be a part of this wonderful community. 
Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com, where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.